Good evening. This is Talking Sports with Evan. I'm Evan with Hallison. Obviously, if it's Talking Sports with Evan, I'm Evan. So with that said, thank you so much for joining the show here tonight. Got a fun show here. Joining me right after 7 o'clock will be Brandon Snide of 620 WTMJ. You're going to hear him each and every weekday on the morning, uh, Wisconsin's morning news doing sports. He will be on to talk the Milwaukee Brewers and get us ready for the 2023 Milwaukee Brewers season, which they are currently 0-1 at the time being. They lost today on their season opener 4 to nothing, which I will talk about that game in a moment. Brandon and I will he'll give his thoughts on the season in general once he joins the show and give his predictions, which I will give my win-loss projection very soon and not to pat myself on the back. I've been I've been pretty much pretty accurate, very close the last several years when it comes to how I think the Brewers are going to do from year to year. So I'll give you that momentarily. Milwaukee Bucks are in action right now as we speak against the Boston Celtics. And if the Milwaukee Bucks can get that victory, they're, they don't quite have that one seed locked up, but they theoretically have that one seed because if the Bucks win tonight, in order for Boston to have a shot at that one seed, the Bucks would have to lose every game the rest of the way, and Boston would have to win every game the rest of the way. And with the fact that the Bucks are going after that one seed, I don't envision them losing every game. They might lose to Philly on Saturday or Sunday, depending on if the Bucks try to play for the win or not. And they're going to have four, uh, five games left in the 2022-2023 NBA season after tonight. So we'll see if the Bucks. Uh, how they handle the rest of the season after tonight's game. If they lose tonight, then obviously they're going to have to work a little bit harder to get that one seed. But if they win, they pretty much got that one seed locked down and they just have to get one or two more victories to definitely clinch it. But right now, Boston is leading the Bucks towards uh, towards the tail end of the first quarter. And Middleton leading the way right now for the Bucks with seven points on the uh app i have on my phone i know if you're watching the game on tv while you're watching the show if you're watching it live you might have a different score than me but i'm going by what my i have on my ipad right now i don't have the game going live at this moment because i'm doing my show so before i do uh talk more with the bucks i guess i'm going to give my quick general thoughts on the brewers before brandon joins me to talk milwaukee brewers but tough loss today four nothing loss to the cubs and I did, I definitely did not miss the overreactions on Facebook and Twitter um, from game to game. I definitely do not miss. I definitely did not miss that. And I've said this every year since I've started doing podcasting, dating back to the Red Light Sports Network with uh, Troy Roberts. Don't get too high on the highs. Don't get too low on the lows. Enjoy the ride. It's a 162-game season. If you overreact, or get too excited after every game, you're going to wear yourself out by by May. So it sucks they lost, but it's one game of a, out of 162, and there is plenty of time for the Brewers to clear things up. And yes, there are some habits that we saw once again by the Milwaukee Brewers that we saw last year rear its ugly head 
once again in this game. And it's very disappointing for that fact because the issue they had last year was they couldn't hit with runners in scoring position. And sure enough, today they struggled to hit get with run, hit with runners in scoring position. They had the bases loaded in the third inning against the Cubs. One out, bases loaded, and we have a ending ending double play, which very par for the course last year. So I get it with that. It's frustrating because the fact that we we saw this a lot last year, and it sucks that we're seeing a game one already. And then I'm seeing a lot of Corbin Burns is toast. He's done. Um, I don't like, I like Woody better than him anyways, which I like Woody too. I like both pitchers. But it's one game and Corbin Burns honestly didn't pitch that bad. He had a bad luck inning. It happens in baseball sometimes. And I know it's going to sound like I'm making excuses for him. But sometimes in baseball, you have bad luck innings. And to me, that is what we saw in the third inning where the Bucks failed to get a run across in the th- in the top of the third with the bases loaded, the Cubs are able to basically death by paper cut their way to a four to nothing lead and held on for the win. You had an error by Willie Adamas on a bad throw to first. He probably shouldn't have made. Just shows some poor baseball IQ there. You you had the one run allowed. You have runners now at the corners. Uh, just eat the ball and try to get out of the inning on the next at, the, at bat. That's what should have happened. And instead of Damas tried to throw behind the runner to get the runner out at first, we had the error and another run scored to make it, I believe, two to nothing at that point. Adamas had a chance to end the inning. I think it was to end the inning where he tried to beat the runner to the bag at second base. He got beat to the bag. And next thing you know, we have another run scored. And that might've been to make a four nothing there. But another defensive blunder caused the Brewers another run. If he just throws the ball to first, gets the easy out, boom, bam, done. But instead, they they play poor ba- ba- a poor poor basketball. Show I mean poor baseball. Sorry, I have the Buck score next to me. They play poor baseball, poor baseball IQ in my you know in my opinion. And they end up losing four to nothing. Pitching in 40 degree weather at Wrigley Field in April, I mean, in March, soon to be April, is very difficult to pitch because baseball is about gripping that ball, getting a proper grip of the baseball, getting the feeling those laces so you can get the ball to do what you want and go where you want. And to be honest, both pitchers, both starting pitchers, struggled with control. Both of them struggled with control today. Yes, Stroman didn't give up a run, that, but that's because his defense uh, played so well and the Brewers are swinging at bad pitches. And I don't think a ball left the infield for Milwaukee this this game. I think most of their, I think they, I think most of the Brewers' hits were, I think most of them were uh, infield out. So with that, I'm go, I'm going to switch um, here and get uh, Brandon's take on this game as Brandon's joining us. Thank you so much, Brandon, for jumping on. Of course. I was just kind of giving my thought of today's 4 nothing loss and how the third inning was basically <sighs> a death by paper cut inning. It wasn't all on Corbin Burns. It was two boneheaded defensive plays by Willie Adamas definitely contribute to that 4 nothing 
loss. But thank you so much for coming on, uh, Brandon. Of course. And as you can see, your Twitter hand for the what viewers, uh, Twitter handle is there. So I guess kind of just jump right into it. If you want to quickly let the viewers and listeners know, uh, introduce yourself, and then we can get back to the the Brewer 2023 season. Sure, sure. Yeah, working working at uh, WTMJ doing the morning sports there with uh, Vince, Eric, and and Greg uh, Greg Hill. It's uh, it's been an adjustment period uh, being there in the morning, early, early, early. Uh, getting up at three in the morning. Getting. Well, I wish it was three in the morning. I out of the door at three in the morning, but oh. yeah, nonetheless. Um, so yeah, we're just we're talking about Wisconsin sports every day. Um, today's one of those days where. It was an exciting day to talk about sports because the Milwaukee Brewers were opening their season down in Chicago, which can we stop scheduling opening days outside in Chicago and Cleveland and Minnesota and Detroit? I promise you they'll be okay. Yeah. We don't have to open them every year, Evan, in Chicago. I I promise yeah. they'll Brewers be okay. Season in Texas or in Florida or in California. Milwaukee? Or- or you get better grips of the baseball or Milwaukee. Milwaukee, I mean, it's ninety minutes north. I mean, they would have they would have survived, but no. So yeah, I've been working over at WTMJ. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Snide, and uh, it's just been uh, it's been fun uh, over there at WTMJ. And again, like I was saying, one of those days, fun days of covering sports was today. Uh, the excitement for opening day, and you finally get to kind of it's kind of like the first unofficial day of spring for me, at least as far as when baseball starts and you got to, you get to the ballpark and you have a Brewers game on or a baseball game on pretty much every night of the week. Yeah. Uh, so that was exciting. Um, but the game was just kind of, it sucked, you know, yeah. like to be quite honest with you. And it's a microcosm of kind of what I was afraid of Evan. And I know it's only one game. So like people are got to be like, Oh, you got it. You got to calm down, chill out. I, and I, and I understand that the, the offense is just, it's dead. Like there's just, there's nothing to it at all like there's no life to the offense and i know it's only one day but they struggled in spring training too uh with scoring and especially with scoring with with runners in scoring position you feel for corbin burns because that that what was it the third inning the fourth inning third yeah nothing really i mean he had a couple balls leave the outfield or or leave the infield rowdy probably could have had one of them that would have saved at least a run you know willie adamas you know doesn't meet the guy at second base prior to getting there and it's just one of those things where it, you know, runs add up and it's four runs, a, a deficit where you're looking at a, a major league team and you know, you're like, well, there's no shift and there's a pitch clock and the pitchers are in a little bit of a hurry. You should be able to put something on the board and you should be able to put something on the board with that roster and this lineup for the Milwaukee Brewers. Because I, I actually, I actually really liked it. You know, terrain batting ninth, you know, Mitchell's down there. And then you have Yelich at the top of the order. I, I thought it was going to be a little bit better today, but Credit to Marcus Stroman. I mean, the dude, he came ready to play. He was pumped up. He was amped up for his debut in a Chicago uniform. He he did exactly what he needed to do. His stuff was nasty. I thought Burns, it was the second least strikeouts he's ever had in a game since becoming a starter. I thought it was it was weird. I, I don't know. It just didn't feel like the Corbin Burns that we've been we've been accustomed to and having the, you know, the ability to watch over the last few years um, since 2018 when he when he came in as a reliever. So it was just kind of an off day for him. Hopefully it's an off day for the offense. Hopefully they can get it going back again on Saturday. Of course, there's an off day on Friday. Um, but the other the other question, Evan, Evan, is the uh, the Luis Urias injury because I yeah, it's probably going to be a while. It didn't look good. Yeah, I, and that's a position where they did get go out and get Owen Miller. You know, this off season, you know, you could plug Brian Anderson in at, at certain spots in the infield. You 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 feel okay with that. 
I don't know. It didn't. It didn't look good though for Luis. Yeah, I, I missed the injury because I'm work as you know at work and I was listening to the radio and I had to step out for a home visit, so I missed that injury unfortunately. Which it, I want to. It didn't to. look good. Yeah, it didn't. And and he got up and he walked it off, but it, you know, it, it's a, a tissue injury like that, uh, soft tissue injury. You know, they're usually never good. Yeah, they take a while to heal yeah. up, especially if it's you know I don't know what his is, but if it's a calf or hamstring, those always seem to linger for a yep. while, or oblique or whatever that is. So, you know. And Strowman set to me, Strowman settled in. Like to me, he struggled to start. He was a little wild. His balls, you know, fortunately for him, the umpire and for Corbin, the umpire were giving them constantly that outside corner, which a couple of those calls were way out there, but they were given mm-hmm. the outside corner anyways. But th- to me, the Brewers let him off the hook. And you talked about the the uh struggling to hit with runners in scoring position. I was talking about a little bit before you jumped in. They concern for the really the last three or four years. They can't hit when runners get on base. They they get base hits. They hit solo home runs, but when runners get in scoring position, they seem to not be able to hit. They get the bases loaded with one out, and we get a double play. And to me, that was the the ball game. For the fact, Cubs went right into the next inning and scored those four runs, and then both to me, both Stroman and Burns pitched pretty well the rest of the way for the, mm-hmm. the, the couple of innings they were left in there. I think Burns went two quick three up three down innings i think uh stroman in one of those innings gave up a base hit but still nothing really getting out of the outfield uh, out of the infield and tough game for the brewers you know hit one on the chin you know the offense will heat up but the problem is the offense is very streaky and that's kind of what i want to get your thought on i know they brought winkler uh, winker in who doesn't strike out a lot if he's healthy he can hit the ball pretty well Contreras now behind the plate but it just seems like once again, and I know a part of that is Yelich's money, but once again, the offense is dependent on can we get anywhere close to the Yelich from 2018? Is that kind of the vibe you get from the way this offense is built up again? Yeah. Uh, and I and I mentioned more. Yeah. I mentioned it this morning uh on WTMJ for my extra points. It, you know, going into the offseason, coming into the winter with with Matt Arnold taking over for David Stearns and at the end of October there, there was always going to be, for me, more questions than answers, right? And that's not to say, like, that doesn't happen to everybody, right? Like, every team has has questions, right? But the Brewers just didn't have, they don't really, you don't really have a solution to any of those questions, or at least you're hoping you can get something out of Christian Yelich. If you're hoping... That's not going to be an answer. That's not going to be a solution. And he's he's at one-fifth of your payroll right now. I mean, that's that needs to be answered. And he's the anchor for the offense. And when he goes, the Milwaukee Brewers go. And especially where he's batting right now at leadoff, it's kind of be one of those things where he's going to have to produce. Uh, a little bit disappointed with Winker today. I was expecting, man, did Boxberger lay one down the middle for him? I don't know if you caught that one. It was a full count. It might have been when the bases were loaded. I can't remember the exact situation. Right down the middle i mean meatball that it was a mistake he boxberger knew it right away as soon as he let it go and he swung right through it he missed it william Contreras had a had a hit today looked like more of an, an error out in the left field there by ian happ who was a gold glover i believe last year um but you don't know where the offense is going to come from that's that's that was my problem with this team going into the offseason that's why uh, when i was doing the lockdown brewers podcast and i was tweeting out things like you know, we can t- we can talk about how great the pitching is all we want. That's fine. We can't because they are great. Corbin Burns is going to find his payday, and he deserves every dollar that he's going to get. Brandon Woodruff is the same way. Freddie Peralta, he's going to be here for the next five years. 
he's as good as it gets. The bull, the bullpen you saw today, Strzelecki came in, looked really good. Uh, Varland had his debut, got into a jam, got out of it, still looked pretty good. Uh, you know, you're going to have Devin Williams. You're you're pretty good at with pitching, but it's always been about the more questions than answers. Are you going to get a productive Christian Yelich today? You did not. Are you going to get a productive Jesse Winker? And like you said, a healthy Jesse Winker. You, maybe he's healthy. He's playing, so you would imagine he is, but he wasn't productive. William Contreras, you would imagine, based off of what we saw a year ago in Atlanta where he went to the All-Star game, that he'll he'll get it going, and I think he's in your, your five hole, uh, which is a great spot for him, in my opinion. Uh, Rowdy Telez didn't have a good game at the plate. You know, nobody – I mean, what did they have, four hits? Nobody had a good uh, day at the plate, but it's the inconsistencies with this lineup, and it always hasn't been that way. But for some reason, the last two years, and you can – everybody wants to pin it on – um, on Christian Yelich, and I understand why, but somebody else has got to step up. But there's just there's nobody where you look at the lineup and you're like, okay, we got you know Adamas, Tolez, and and Contreras coming up. It's it's that you don't you don't have that feel anymore. And when you like you said, you get guys on base, three guy, you get the bases loaded, one out. Strowman's all over the place. He walked, uh, I believe, the last batter four pitches in a row. And you go up there, and you, I mean, the umpire was did not do them any favors today. Uh, but the, the calls were just really erratic. But it's just it's it's frustrating because it was a problem going into the offseason that we knew needed to be solved, right? They were terrible last year. One of the worst teams in baseball uh, last year with runners in scoring position. The spring, it didn't really get a whole lot better. And now you're into the regular season. And, I, and like, I know people that are listening or watching, pump the brakes, it's only one game. I understand that, but it's the same problem that we saw a year ago it's the same issue like you said you can get up there and, and, and nobody's on base at two outs maybe one out and you can get a solo home run what do you do when the guys get on base what are you doing when, when runners are in scoring position in a ha- and i believe half the time they had runners in scoring position was because ian hap just didn't catch the ball on half of them he just failed to catch the ball behind the plate so it's just you hope that going forward you know, guys, you know, when they get acclimated to where they're playing and, and things kind of open up and, you know, hitting in Chicago in March is probably no fun. Um, Garrett Mitchell was grabbing onto his hands. He got jammed up pretty bad today. So you just hope that this kind of works itself out as they go into the season and and hope that they can find that identity. And what is that identity, right? Like you got a lot of power. Winker, Contreras, Telez, Adamas, who had 31 home runs. That's That's a lot of power, Evan. Is that their identity? You know, that's that's what I think we got to figure out. And like Craig Council said after the game, every team's a little bit different. You know, every team's got to figure, feel each other out. Um, I was concerned in spring training. Nobody really talked about it, but I was just kind of, they didn't play well in spring training, like really at all. Uh, Burns didn't pitch well in spring training. I don't want to say today wasn't a bad day of pitching because I think he he did fine. Command was a little bit off. His cutter wasn't moving as much as it usually does. His slider had nothing on it. Um, maybe that's just the weather. You hope that's just the weather next week when he pitches, he'll be okay. But I'm concerned already about the offense and that can be, that could be an over, uh, you know, dramatic response, but I I haven't seen anything change. Well, I don't think it's too early to be concerned with the offense because it's the same that we've seen the last few years. They can't get the big hit when they need them most. If that if they lose four to nothing and Strowman just mows everybody down and it's just one of those days, so be it. But you had I don't even know how many they had left on base, but they had bases loaded, one out, double play, bases loaded again, 
Winker, as you said, missed the easy pitch to hit over the fence. And if it yep. wasn't the same issue that we saw um, all last year and the pr- year prior, and it seems like the year prior, it wouldn't be so bad. So I'm not not worried about the pitching. I know last year, unfortunately, the pitching was banged up a lot. Um, two years ago, the Brewers had the least, I want to say they had the least amount of starting pitchers used in the 2021 season. Yep. Uh, th- last year, Woody's the only, uh, sorry, Corbin Burns is the only pitcher that didn't miss a start. Woody had the ankle injury and he had the condition where he has an issue with the grip of the baseball, which I'm not looking forward to Saturday for that reason. If you can't with that weather really well, that weather tends to flare it up. Peralta can't stay healthy. Hopefully he can this year. I think Eric Lauer is the only one that stayed relatively healthy within the starters. And now you got Wade Miley. They bring back, um, and now Adrian Hauser's on the aisle uh, early on. I think he was supposed to be that Ashby role who's on the aisle right now. Health, the the pitching health to me is going to be what makes or break this Brewer season. And hopefully the offense can find some identity. But I think that's going to be the key for the 162 game season is just the pitchers staying healthy and overachieving, kind of like they did two years ago where you had uh, Corbin Burns just dominating winning that Cy Young. And, and you're not, you're absolutely spot on with, with everything you're saying. It's uh, it, but it just, it, it goes to where we've been. I really, yeah. you can go back to, like you said, 2021, when they, when you go to the NLDS against the Braves and you win 95 games that year and you just, would you score three runs in the series? I mean, it's, it's gone all the way back to 2021. It's just been a problem and it just, and I'm not defaulting, blame to newly hired general manager, president of baseball operations, Matt Arnold. He just took over in October. Uh, He's kind of got a little bit of a mess. I would say that Mark Antanasio probably hasn't done a whole lot of favors for him, but again, I'm just guessing on that. Um, But when they acquired William Contreras, I thought that was excellent. I thought that was really the best trade of the offseason for the whole entire major league baseball. Um, But I, I was hoping yeah, I know everybody's always up in arms about service time, but I said it before, just bring up all the kids. You know, if you, if they're ready to play and you kept terrain, obviously you have Mitchell. Let Freilich stay up here. Let Joey Weimer stay up here. I understand everybody wants to talk about service time, but, you know, you have got to figure out a way to get some kind of life in this offense. And it was only one game out of 162. They have 161 more to go. But I don't know about you, Evan, and I know you didn't. You said you didn't watch it. The body language—it just dead, like just just nothing really moving. I mean, it just maybe they were cold. It was cold. It was low forties. For I think first pitch was forty-two degrees. It just it just. And again, I don't want to sound like a negative Nancy. I don't want to sound like a you know pessimistic Brewers fan because I'm not. I like to stay as optimistic as possible. But until the Brewers show me something different, because I haven't seen anything different, and you can have all the great pitching, right? Like you said. You can have Burns, who led the league in strikeouts last year with 243. Didn't miss a start. 33 starts last year. You can have Brandon Woodruff. You can have Freddie Peralta. You can have the rookie, former rookie of the year, Devin Williams, in the back end of the bullpen. It doesn't mean anything when you can't score a single run. When you can't bat in a runner with the bases loaded and one out, and you have a lazy chopper to second base or a lazy chopper to shortstop, you know, an easy routine double play or whatever it is. If you got to reverse, you know, revert to small ball baseball, uh, bunting, you know, sacrificing fly. I mean, there's got to be 
And, and that's what I think Craig Council is going to be challenged with this year because he has a lot of guys that can produce, just they haven't yet, and, and, and it's early. Uh, but Winker wasn't healthy last year. Brian Anderson wasn't healthy last year. Christian Yelich, I, you know, there's a lot of theories about what's going on with him, but he hasn't been the Christian Yelich for two years, right? Maybe three, two years. Uh, That's his, since uh, I, 2019, he hasn't been. Yeah, league. yeah. So it's like you can only do so much from a managerial, you know, aspect. Uh, but I think that you're going to figure out, you're going to see really quickly, I would say, in the next – three weeks, what this Brewer team is going to be in. And, and, and they can go out on Saturday and they can score 10 runs. And then we're back to being, okay, well, we'll, we're good, you know, but it's the last two years have been the same story, Evan. And until they show me something different, what am I supposed to believe? Yeah. And, you know, we'll, we'll see. And really since Memorial day last year, the Brewers haven't really played good baseball. I know no. they were still in first place at Memorial Day. They had their fa- their best start in franchise history last year. And I know a lot of people, and I know that caused a lot of the issues, but point to the Josh Hader move as being what pretty much destroyed the year, but they were playing bad baseball leading up to it. I don't have I didn't have an issue necessarily of trading Hader. It's trading them when they did. I don't think they maximized what they could have got for Hader. Because they moved to trade him when they're playing bad, when he's playing bad baseball, he's in a slump. That's when you move him. You should have moved him when he was the dominant closer that he was a few weeks prior to that. But I think they played bad baseball since May, and as you said, they got to find their identity. And I look at the season. There's no reason why they shouldn't be neck and neck with the Cardinals this year. There's really no reason that they should. Cardinals pitching suspect. Brewers it is, yeah. It is. That should be so, enough until you get to until you get to Hicks at the back end of, of St. Yeah. Louis. Their starting pitching is very questionable. Yeah, but that should be enough to keep the Brewers close to the Cardinals. The question is, do they have enough to get over the Cardinals? And I guess that'll be my question for you. As the roster stands right now, do the Brewers have enough to get over the hump in the St. Louis Cardinals? I do not think so. I picked the St. Louis Cardinals this morning. Uh, act for my for my extra points, I keep pumping that up. But I literally just talked about that uh, today, and I pointed to two reasons why, two big reasons: the reigning MVP and Paul Goldschmidt and uh, Nolan Arenado, who was just gifted on a silver platter to the St. Louis Cardinals, which actually they got paid for taking him. Which funny how that happens. But I'll digress on that. I don't think they have it right, right now because of kind of what I started off the show with talking about. They're still at more questions than answers. What are you going to get out of Christian Yelich? Can Jesse Winker stay healthy? Can Brian Anderson stay healthy? Are you going to get the 2019 Brian Anderson? Uh, what are you going to get out of Willie Adamas? Keep in mind, a lot of these guys are coming up on contracts too, so you have that a little bit of uncertainty. Does that linger throughout the course of the season? I know Corbin Burns is uh, is a free agent in, in two years, so they have a little bit of control with Corbin Burns. But, you know, are guys going to be looking over their shoulder like, hey, if we don't perform, you know, those trade rumors are gonna they're gonna start peaking a little bit. They're gonna start uh, breaking into the uh, the clubhouse a little bit. And, and I don't think that's going to be a case. I'm just saying like that's everybody. It's a human element, right? You know, if you if your team's underperforming, if the Brewers are, you know, let's say they're approaching June, middle of June, end of June. And keep in mind, this is when the Cubs sold two years ago. Was it two years ago? I think when they sold two years ago, when they trade off Rizzo and, and uh, Bryant, was at the end of June, getting into the All Star break within a few weeks. 
And they were just, you know, they were, I think they were six, seven, eight games behind the Milwaukee Brewers and the St. Louis Cardinals. And they just said, Hey, you know, we're not going to compete going into the rest of the second half of the season. And, and they shipped off, you know, Bryant and um, uh, Anthony Rizzo and, and a lot of their core pieces. So it's just, there's, there's too much, I think, from an offensive standpoint. Look, the game is moving to offense, right? Like, we love pitching. Uh, baseball loves, you know, changing things and, and, and adapting to new rules, and that's what they're doing with the pitch clock, which I think benefits the batter, not the pitcher. You saw Stroman kind of struggle with it today. Corbin Burns almost had a few a few times. He took that pitch clock all the way down to, like, one. Um, so I think that's going to benefit the batters. I think there's going to be more offense. Obviously, there's no shift. Uh, you would think that would help an offense, and I just don't know – if it's going to help the Brewers and if it can't help the Brewers, if, if they can't get help in their offense of where they have right now. And those questions that I've asked earlier, if they don't get answered and we're still unsure, there's no chance they catch the Cardinals. There's no chance they stay within the Cardinals and they're the starting pitching in Milwaukee is way better. But if the Cardinals put up six runs, you know, five runs, four runs was enough today. I mean, that's too much for an offense for the Milwaukee Brewers. I'll tell you what, when I got to four, when I got to two, nothing today, Two nothing. This is before they got out of the inning. Obviously, I said, "Well, that's probably all they really need," and and that I shouldn't have that feeling into a new year. But this is pretty much the same team, minus you know a couple extra pieces, uh, you know Contreras and Winker. But there's just we don't know what we're getting out of Winker yet. He, he wasn't healthy last year. He wasn't healthy all the way up until spring training, really. Um, and, and he's going into a contract year, so it's a contract year for him. So if he's going to underperform in a contract year. Brewers are in big trouble. Yeah, and I, I like the Winker pickup, and I kind of, I guess, next step, just kind of get your thoughts on their offseason pickups a little bit more. I like the Winker pickup. Um, I I think Renfro was good for the team last year, but, again, he couldn't stay healthy, strikes out a lot. He had a great arm in the field, but now he's on his fifth team in five years. That makes me wonder a little bit. But I personally, I like Winker better than Renfro as an all-around player. I know Renfro is the better outfielder, but I think Winker, especially at American Family Field, as we saw when he played with the Reds, he can rake an American Family Field. He 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 was a Brewer killer, especially in Milwaukee when the Brewers and the Reds played. But as you said, health is going to be the big thing. And then you also get Wilson, uh, William Contreras. I almost gave him the Brewers, their brother. I always call him William. Yeah. Yeah, Wilson. Um, You get Volt. You get Anderson. Their offseason signings, what are your general thoughts? I know it seems like the usual, you know, dollar store uh, bargain bin shopping once again. But what are your thoughts on the Brewers' uh, offseason pickups in general? I don't dislike them. Uh, but I was underwhelmed by the the additions. I really, 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 really like William Contreras. I think he has the opportunity, 25 years old, five years of control, an all-star. He was just called up April 28th of last year for the Atlanta Braves, went, went to the all-star game, uh, and that's a tough division that he did it in, in the NL East. Um, so I absolutely love that trade. And I keep in mind with that trade too is without Josh Hader trade, that wouldn't have been facilitated. So basically you traded Hader, and got William Contreras, you know, how you feel about that, how, how I feel about that really doesn't matter now, but I really, really, really like that. I gave uh, Matt Arnold a ton of credit for that move. Winker too, because Winker, you're, you're, it's a, it's a low, you know, you're buying low and, and your reward could be really, really high because Winker has been a, an MVP candidate before, I believe it was 2019. 
uh, with the Cincinnati Reds before he went over to Seattle and he had a really good year. Uh, and, and he's going into a contract here. So you assumed, you know, as a, from a baseball aspect, from a, from a sports that if, if, if a guy's going into a contract here, he's looking for some money, he's going to have probably a good year. So I, I kind of like, I really like that one. I shouldn't say kind of, I really like that one. Um, but I was kind of underwhelmed with everything else. I, you know, a couple additions to the bullpen, uh, you see Varlin do the rule five pick who made the team. I thought that was decent. Um, but it was something like where we you're going into an off season where you saw in 2022, they just, like you said, really didn't play well since Memorial day, lost the division lead, never gave it up or never got it back. And then missed out the playoffs by a game to the team that eventually went on to, to the play in the world series. Kind but you go back or so. Yeah. You go back to, yeah, yeah, you're right. You go back to 2021 and it's still like the same thing. It's like, okay, like who's going to carry this team from an offensive standpoint? I love Rowdy. I love the chance at American family field for Rowdy. Too inconsistent for me. Uh, Willie Adamas, love Willie, love his energy, can smack the cover off the baseball. He also strikes out a lot, you know, so his inconsistency is going to be a question. You don't have a consistent player right now. When you look at this lineup, I think his uh, baseball IQ comes into question at times too. With some the of throw the- to first base today, I'm like, that, that's a run right there, you know, that you give up. So it's like, you know, going in, I liked the moves, but I thought that you could have done more. And look, Let's just call it what it is, man. It, Corbin Burns is on his way out. You know, you don't hire Scott Boris and take to t- t- uh, take a pay cut, right? Like he's going to go out and look for three hundred million dollars, and he should because, in my opinion, he deserves it. He's my favorite brewer. Uh, he's one of the best. I I make the argument that he's the best brewer pitcher in history of the franchise. Um, but you don't cap. You haven't. Mark hasn't capitalized on this team. He hasn't capitalized on on cheap contracts from Freddie Brandon Woodruff. And Corbin Burns, and he didn't capitalize when he had Hater here. Uh, the only time we've seen him go out and be aggressive was after that 2018 uh, season, where they kept, you know, a couple guys. They went out and, and signed, uh, brought. I believe that was the year they brought Moose back for that one year deal, um, and that was kind of the last of it. Like since then, you really haven't seen him go. Okay, my starting pitching is really good. My back end of my bullpen is really good. I have some good pieces because I think. When you look at this roster right now, how it's constructed, they're good pieces, but you don't have a piece where you can point your finger at and be like, okay, that one and that one. Yeah, that's, that's our anchors. And then everybody else around them is going to bring the boat together, right? Like you don't have that. You're just hoping Willie Adamas gets hot. You're hoping Luis Urias can get hot. You're hoping Rowdy Tellez can hit a home run, you know, with two on and two out. You're hoping and hoping and hoping, and eventually you're going to get caught you know, with, with, with no, with no hope. And, and, and that's kind of where we're headed. And again, I know it's only one game. It's only one, you know, literal game out of 162. But what, what concerns me is you kind of saw it in spring training. You definitely saw it in 2022 and you saw it in 2021. It's been an ongoing occurrence for this Milwaukee Brewers team. And for me, as much as I hate to say it starts and ends with Christian Yelich. And that's your, that needs to be your anchor. And he's he's he hasn't been, and I don't know if he ever will be. Yeah, when they so 2018, he wins the MVP. 2019, I feel he should have won the MVP again. Should have, yeah. Uh, th- I'm sure that broke if he would have finished out the year, he possibly catches Bellinger. But Bellinger, unfortunately, was somebody the they named for before April was even over as the MVP. And you look at Bellinger's numbers the rest of that season, they plummet. Like he had an outstanding April and a pretty good start to May. Yeah. And outside of that, his numbers just plummeted where Yelich was pretty consistent the entire year. 
And then when they gave him the big contract after, you know, like he broke his kneecap, they gave him the big contract and then COVID happened. So you think 2020, everybody's having an off year, COVID screwing everything up. Let's get a, you know, let's see what happens when we have an actual spring training, which last year or 2021, I mean, wasn't really a typical spring training either because you didn't have fans and there were COVID protocols and everything. 2022, you didn't have a typical spring training either because of the lockout. This is really the first actual typical offseason mm-hmm. taking out the World Baseball Classic, but this is actually the first actual typical offseason for baseball since 2021 with COVID and the lockout and all and the protocols and all that. It seems like the Brewers keep, you know, doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for, you know, Yelich yeah. to resort back to 2018, 2019. Because if he could resort back to 2018, 2019, that's going to definitely make the offense that much better. And I, that was, that was one of my, I loved Stearns and what he had done with the limited resources that the owner gives him. But to me, that was always my annoyance with him is let's keep, putting bargain bin pieces around Yelich and hope Yelich turns it around. And I know Keston here uh, not being able to replicate his 2019, 2019 season was a big issue with the Brewers trying to build their offense as well, which now he's off the 40-man roster. But mm-hmm. great counsel. Last year in his contract, I like great counsel. I think he gets the most out of the pieces that he's given, which isn't a lot. But unfortunately – Twice now in the postseason, 2021, 2018, to me, he overmanaged too much and over, overthought things too much, and they end up getting beat by the Dodgers and then the Braves. In 2018, it was kept going to Jeremy Jeffers, even though he showed he didn't have anything left. 2021, pulling pitchers too soon. Pitchers are doing really well. I'm going to pull them now. What are your thoughts on Council? Is he – has? Is he, is, is he maximized what he can do with the Brewers? Or do you think he should get a contract extension? Or is it, let's see how this year goes first? You know, that's a good uh, topic and a great question because it kind of goes back to the beginning of when we started the show, or at least when I jumped on with you, more questions than answers. Why hasn't he gotten a contract est- extension? Why haven't those talks uh, either been had or why haven't we heard about them? What's going on with them? You have a lame duck. Uh, manager, you have Corbin Burns, who is clearly not happy with how things transpired in his arbitration. You know, Woodruff is going to be due money. Adamus is going to be due money. Uh, believe it or not, uh, Devin Williams is going to be coming up on the next few years. Um, I think he does, and I've said this for a while, I think Craig Council, for as long as he wants to manage in Milwaukee, he will have a, a spot to do that. Um I like him. I like him a lot. I think there's times where I agree with you that he overanalyzes, overthinks, um, pulls a pitcher too early at times. Uh, but I, I, you know, it kind of goes to where you we we kind of talked about it at least a little bit ago is with you know the, the ownership and, and and general manager uh, David Stearns before Matt Arnold. You can only do so much with what you got, right? And and I think when you're looking at his lineups and everybody always gets so mad about the lineups and they're always like, Oh, why is Yelich in the three hole? Why is he, why isn't he in the two hole or the one hole, you know, you know, move Red, Rowdy to down, you know, whatever. It, it's kind of like what we've talked about. He's trying to figure it out, right? He's trying to get something, a spark going into this offense, a, 
a jolt of some sort, get guys on base. If you can get Mitchell and terrain on base, good things are going to happen. And that's why you see them at the bottom of the order, because if they get on base and obviously you wrap the order around to the top of the uh, order, things usually are supposed to go well. Right. Um, but I really like Craig council. I think, I think he's look, I mean, the winningest manager in Brewers history, that's not like a crazy uh, feat, you know, although congratulations to him, you know, that's, it's a record. Um, there, there haven't been many great ones here, um, but I, I like him. I think uh, the players relate to him. He relates to the players. I think he's provided a winning culture in Milwaukee, obviously gone and went on to a, win a world series. You know, he's been there uh, and he knows what it takes. I think he, he knows the city, right? He knows this fan base. I mean, he grew up right down the road in Whitefish Bay. He knows what it's like to go to, you know, County Stadium, Miller Park, American Family Field, and have a good team. He also knows what it's like to go to those uh, those areas, those um, stadiums, and not have a good team. So I think, you know, I think he's just going to be, you know, doing everything he can do to figure out something with this lineup, with this roster. But again, it just falls back onto where he's only given so much. I mean, his hands are, are only so tied, right? He can he can roll out Woodruff. Burns and Peralta every three days, every five days, whatever it is, uh, and let them go and, and pull them, uh, you know, a couple of innings too early. But I mean, if your offense isn't doing anything, you know, that it's, it's an offensive game. It's, you know, we're seeing in the NBA and you're seeing in the NFL and I know they're all different sports, but baseball wants more offense. I mean, they're trying to attract to the fan base, to the younger ba- uh, fan base. They want more offense and Craig council He's trying. I, I, I like him. Um, I think he's a. I think he's one of the best managers, the longest tenure manager in the NL. I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so as long as he wants to manage in Milwaukee, I don't think Mark Antonio will ever part from him. No, I don't think so either. I just I think if the wheels completely fall off this year, I could see them making a change. But I think they're that. I don't think they're. I think there's just too much talent for the wheels to come. I'm just. I'm just. Off. I'm curious why they have why that that contract is is not. Oh, maybe council is thinking about stepping away at the end of the year. Because his son's going to be going, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe you know this. Uh, I think his son's going to college next year, right? Well, he has one this year that's going, I think, because he had one graduate last year because he did miss a game in June. Yeah. His son's graduation. He has another one, I think, graduates this year. So maybe it's council not wanting to commit because maybe he has yeah. other ideas. I don't know. And I'm not trying to start any rumors here, but I'm guessing maybe it's kind because if it's up to Antanasio, I think the contract's done. Agree. Maybe I agree. Council that just doesn't want to sign it yet. Because it always sucks when you go into a year as a lame duck manager. So two more baseball questions. Then I want to jump sure. to something you don't really need to talk about tomorrow now. Because at halftime, the game's already over. But we'll I get see to that. that <laughs> anyway, banning of the shift. I know for Rowdy Tellez, he was the most affected player for the Brewers last year by the shift. I think he had 66 hits taken away and 66 potential additional hits. Obviously his batting average is going to jump up. I think last year, I think the league average was in the two thirties, lower two forties. And they predict that with the shift being gone, the averages can jump up into the two fifty range. What are your thoughts on the whole banning of the shift? I love it. it make a difference. I do think it's going to make a difference. I think you're going to see uh, guys like Telez. I think Yelich is going to eventually find, hopefully find his groove uh, and benefit from it. He's, he lined into a ton of outs out there. And I, I guess you want to call it right field, right? Shallow field. Um, 
it's what Major League Baseball really wants. They really want to go to a fast pace, up tempo, offensive scoring kind of games. And I think that's what you're seeing with the pitch clock and the banning of the shift. And I think you're going to see averages, OPS pluses kind of dip up a little bit above what we saw. Now, I don't think it's going to affect the Brewers a whole lot as far as an offense. I think it's going to help a certain players. You mentioned um, Rowdy Telez. I'm trying to rattle off some off the top of my head. I know Christian Yelich, it seems to be the left-handed batters uh, more than it, than it is anything. Willie Adamas has no problem going to the opposite side of the, uh, the field. Luis Urias has no, uh, no problem, and, and hopefully he doesn't miss a whole lot of time. I, I don't know a whole lot about William Contreras and his uh, spray chart as far as where he hits the ball, but I feel like he's more of a pull power hitter. Um, so it really might not affect a whole lot of people. Garrett Mitchell's a guy that likes to go to, to right field that could help him out. I think as a whole, it's going to help Major League Baseball, period. So you look at it and you're like, okay, does this help the Brewers? Eh, probably not, right? Because if it's helping everybody else, the Brewers got to keep pace with everybody else and they're unable to do that to begin with. So, you know, is it really helping us? I think it's going to help the game as far as an offensive standpoint. I like it. I've always hated the shift, um, but there's always going to be these inconsistencies with the defense for baseball. They, I think they did it in spring training where they brought the left fielder basically into between center and the right fielder. So they're going to find ways to kind of figure it out. Um, but I think eventually it'll even itself out and it'll go back to basically what it was when the shift was here. It's going to help out here and there. Not going to make a, a big difference, but overall I do like it um, because it just, you know, get, to me, it's just fair baseball, right? Like if you're, you're playing, you're playing Rowdy Telez and you got three people standing, you know, 20 feet from each other <laughs> in right field. Like, that's not baseball. It's not a position you normally play. So I like it from that uh, standpoint, but I think it's going to, I think it is going to help the game of baseball. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to help. I, when the shift, I know the shift's been around for a long time, but it really started to get a lot of play. I would say probably over the last five or six years where it's been talked about a lot more because it's become more, more common for teams to do it. I didn't mind the strategy of it. Like, cool. It's something a little, little bit different. We don't see all the time. Then you see sure. it all the time. And then it guys just can't figure out how to hit the ball down the left, the left field, uh, the left foul line, just hit it down that line. You're going to be running for days and they can't figure it out. They hit it to. So to me, it's glad. I, I'm kind of glad they moved on from it. The pitch clock. I like the oh, pitch clock. Yeah. That, that game today was quick. As I say, as a producer, weekend producer at TMJ who does the Brewer games a lot, I don't mind it because the games are going to be much quicker. So yeah. Saturdays, if it's an a afternoon or a day game, not going to be staying past 6 o'clock. And, and, and that's, one, that's one that I think can benefit the Milwaukee Brewers more than it maybe other teams. Because if you get Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta, you get them three in a groove and they're moving. Freddie Peralta works quick to begin with, yeah. right? If you get those three kind of moving and they're they're going to the dugout, you know, and and if they're not sitting for a while, and by the looks of it, uh, the Brewers' offense necessarily might not, you know, keep them waiting long. Yeah. The sooner they're back out on that mound, you know, they're in a groove. They're going to be punching guys out, so that that part might help uh, the pitching at least. Uh, I know Freddie Peralta likes it because he moves quick to begin with. Devin had to make some adjustments because he moved slow to begin with. So yeah, yeah, yeah. adjustments, and he did in spring training and that. Yep. We'll see how he does once he gets his first actual game action. And a guy like Suter would probably love the pitch clock because he would probably figure out, see how quickly he can, was it 20, 
15 seconds? Yeah, 15. Base, yeah. 25 when someone's on base. He'll probably see how quickly he can uh, get it out uh, to the 15 as he can. Try to get out in 14 seconds or with 14 seconds left on. That's probably what he would do. But I know he's in Colorado now. So so I, I have – for me, for the Brewers, I think they're right around 88 wins. I think that could be enough to win the division because I just – this Cardinals starting pitching – I think is going to be too problematic. Obviously, I don't think they're going to win the World Series because they don't have the offense to do that. Who is your favorite to win the World Series? And who do you think is going to be that team's biggest challenge to win the World Series? I have kind of the same answer in one. Houston and New York, and I think they're going to be each other's biggest problem going into you know, a championship. I, I probably would have had the Mets up there. I want to say San Diego, but they just like the Brewers, right? Evan, they haven't shown me enough to, you have all this talent, but you you can't get to the postseason and you can't win. So from a talent perspective, I want to say San Diego because I love their roster. Uh, But it's one of those things where they just haven't shown me the Yankees and Houston. Obviously Houston is the reigning world series champion. Um, And I kind of really liked Philly too. You know, the, the Hoskins injury kind of was a bummer in a spring training game, meaningless game, essentially, with the torn ACL. Um, but I like Houston and New York, two teams that were obviously there last year. Second pitch of the game, Aaron Judge <laughs> takes it takes it yard, or the second pitch that he's seen, uh, he takes it yard. The Yankees are going to be a problem like they were last year. Houston is always going to be there as far as I'm concerned for the, for the foreseeable future. Uh, and what Dusty's doing down there in, in Houston, they're going to be a problem. And it's it's kind of to answer your same question. Really, they're going to give they're going to be each other's problems, right? Like I I would not be surprised if Houston wins another World Series this year. I won't be surprised if the Yankees win the World Series this year. And I won't be surprised if the reason they win or don't win is because of the other team, right? And so I think that's where it's going to come down to uh, the NL. I, the Dodgers are always going to be pretty good. Um, the NL Central, you know, Edwin uh, Diaz, World Baseball Classic, nasty injury where, where his knee, you know, the Mets, I want to put there too. But like we talked about with San Diego, you can have all the talent in the world. Uh, if you're not able to formulate that into a winning success, which we've seen happen with um, San Diego not being able to get over that hump, that could be New York too. But New York has all the talent in the world to get to the World Series, or at least get deep into the postseason, uh, but a sleeper team for me, uh, if I had to pick one out of the NL is the Braves. I think the Braves are just one of those constant good teams. You make the big trade for their catcher uh, as they shipped off William Contreras to the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, you know, Max Freed left the game early today. I don't know how serious that is. So, you know, it's all about health, right? It's all about health when you get to the postseason and the Brewers, uh, unfortunately always haven't been in the right spot, but if New York and Houston are both healthy, those are my two teams that are going to compete for a World Series, and I know that they both play in the NL. I think if they get to a World Series, Evan, it probably doesn't matter who they play. Yeah, I, I think Houston is probably the favorite to win. The Mets and the Yankees I have the same concern with. Injuries are going to be a problem. Scherzer can't make it through a season healthy. Uh, Verlander is already on the I.O. to start the year, and the Yankees yep. the past couple of years have had a lot of a lot of injury issues. So I I guess I think Houston is probably the best team and I wouldn't mind seeing a Houston Atlanta world series. I think that would be really fun. to. I watch. think that would be good too. And I think Atlanta can do it. I mean, they're, 
they're loaded too. I mean, they're, they, they got every, every piece that you need out of a, uh, out of a lineup, you know, they got a good manager, good starting pitching, good back end, good offense. Really they're complete. You know, it's just about them uh, as well, you know, staying healthy and getting out of the, uh, the national league. And final baseball, then a couple more quick questions. I know you got to get to bed because you got to be up super early in the morning. <laughs> Corbin Burns. Don't remind me. <laughs> Does Corbin Burns finish the 2023 season in a Milwaukee Brewery uniform? Do you think you think he finishes it, or do you think they they move him closer to the deadline? I love this question because I wrote about this in my extra points. I believe it was last week. Um, I don't, and I'll tell you why. When you look at Corbin Burns, um, and I, it again, hates, it pains me to say this because I love Corbin Burns. So if you're listening and you're like, this dude is just so negative. I love Corbin Burns. He's my favorite brewer. However, if you're operating from the brewer's aspect, right, and you're operating in the way that they choose to operate, right, Matt Arnold, I shouldn't say Matt Arnold, but Mark Antanasio, uh, how he chooses to operate, you have to maximize what you have currently on the roster. Now, he made a mistake, a major mistake, by letting Prince Fielder walk away for nothing because that's what happened. And I'm hoping he's learned his lesson because if you are not in contention, you might even if they are in contention, right? Corbin Burns is going to demand a massive haul. He is a 2021 Cy Young Award winner, 243 strikeouts last year, led the Major League Baseball. If you go to a team, you know, Team A, we have this guy, Corbin Burns. What is this arbitration number? 10.1, I think is what it is. Uh, very cheap. And you're talking about a year and a half plus control, right? Depending on when they trade him, year and a half at the very least, if they trade him at the deadline. That's probably when your 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 return is going to be the most, right? If you wait till the offseason, people are gonna be like, oh, he only has one year. Well, you know, we'll we'll give you we'll give you half of what you probably would have got. It's kind of like the Packers with Aaron Rodgers and and the trade with the Jets. You trade him in his uh, MVP year coming up, you probably get a, you, the Russell Wilson package, right? Corbin Burns can probably get you that Russell Wilson package right now if you're in in baseball terms. You could probably get somebody's going to let's say you could even say New York, the Yankees, right? They they're trying to get past Houston. Hey, New York, Corbin Burns here. Think about that one two punch in New York. Oh, we want you know, X, Y, and Z though. I mean, and you have the ability to tell other teams you have him for more than a year. So when you offer him up to a team, let's say in June or July, you're able to tell that team. And obviously the team's already going to know that, Hey, he's got more. It's not a rental. This isn't a rental, right? And if you're a high market team, depending on where Corbin Burns wants to go, you might be able to lock him up long-term. And and if that's a situation where, Scott Boris can work his way into whatever team he gets traded to and, you know, a sign and trade of 300 million, whatever, whatever dollar amount he's looking for. Um, I think he needs to be traded this year. And I, again, I hate saying that because I, I just think this is the year where you can get the most for him. Yeah. I trading. And that sucks, right? Evan, that sucks. It sucks because you don't want that. That's one of your best players ever. Yeah, really ever. I mean, that that's saying something, but it, it's like the Prince Fielder thing. Would you have traded Fielder in 2011 or let him walk for nothing? You you want something back. Well, would have rather have traded him, hindsight. But right. at the same time, do you trade Prince when he's putting up MVP caliber numbers in a uh, playoff race when you're the top team in baseball? That would be very hard to do. 
<laughs> that's so, that's where I think the Brewers yeah. are going to have to figure it out because if you go into like I, I brought up the Cubs thing that they traded off at the end of June because they just realized the value for Rizzo, the value for Bryant was the highest at that moment. They knew they could get them to a team and the team that they traded Rizzo to, he signed long-term with the Yankees, right? He's still there. So I think if you go into the end of June and I'm, I'm you know, the all-star break is usually towards the end of July, the trade uh, deadlines usually like that first week of August or so. If you go in, at the end of June and in your five, six, seven, eight games behind. And let's face it. It's a very realistic possibility. Uh, and it could be again, it could be third in that order too. I, I don't necessarily think the, I don't think the Cubs are a pushover uh, anymore either. Um, don't necessarily think they're better, but I don't think they're worse either than, than the Brewers. So, I mean, if you're in third place and you're looking up at the Cardinals and you're eight games behind on June 25th, let's say for uh, you know, just for uh, theoretical, you you're going to get the most for Corbin Burns probably this year. I think it goes down. I think after the trade deadline in this year, the longer you wait, the smaller the the package in return is going to be. Yeah, if you if you do wait till closer to free agency, the only pack the only really good package you're going to get is from a team that he's more likely the team has a better chance of re-signing him, like a Yankees, Dodgers, right. Padres, than it would be a you know right now if you trade him, let's say Houston. You have a chance. I don't know what Houston's farm system looks like. But you have a chance to get a lot from Houston right now if you were to move him or to the Mets. Well, the Mets, I guess they have the they're willing to buy islands, I guess. So I, that's not a good answer to that. But I just know they have a pretty strong uh, farm system too, though. So want to move to the NBA? And sure. I started out the show, and I apologize to Bucks fans because I jinxed it. I said <laughs> that if the Bucks can get that win tonight, when it was like seventeen seventeen, that. Boston would have to finish the year five and all, and the Bucks would have to finish the year zero and five for Boston to get that one seed. Well, it's halftime and the game's over. It's 75-47, and Boston outscored the Bucks by 20 in the second quarter, and it, it's over. Like I know no lead is safe in the NBA, but I I'm pretty much chalking this up. It's you know, no no real reason to play Giannis or Middleton anymore at this point. But Boston, game one this year, and I know Middleton wasn't there. They get blown out 139 to 118 on Christmas. Second time they played, Tatum, Brown, Horford, I uh, believe Smart, not playing, and the Bucks barely beat Boston 131 to 125. Today, everybody's playing. They're down 75 47. They can't stop Tatum or Brown. Combining for forty-two points at the half, is Boston can the can the Bucks truly get by Boston in a seven-game series if Boston is full goal, or is that going to be the Bucks' Achilles' heel again this year? Well, if they get the one seed, yes, because I think I would even say if they don't get the one seed, yes, I think the X factor for Boston and Milwaukee is we got to kind of look at tonight's game, you know, with, with a grain of salt, take it with a grain of salt because, and I'm not building in excuses for the box, but I kind of already had this one built in the back of my brain. You're coming off of a very weird road trip, right? You, it it was a very weird road trip for the Milwaukee Bucks. They go out to Utah the next day they, they burn out Utah, right? They blow them out. The very next day they're in Denver for a back-to-back, right? So you're in mountain standard time, and then you fly back into the Midwest, 
you have one off day and you're in Detroit and then you fly down to Indiana. It was really weird. There's not many times you go west to east for a road trip and then back up to Milwaukee for a back-to-back. Evan, this is their second back-to-back in less than a week. This is their second back-to-back in less than a week. That's like, I don't understand what the schedule makers are doing. Like, why are we doing this in today's world? Why are we doing this for what purpose? Why are you putting Milwaukee and Boston, which is a marquee game on a back-to-back when Milwaukee's coming off a four-game road trip? Yeah, it does. I mean, mean, what are we doing? Why Why are we doing that? And you did it to Denver too. It's Giannis versus Jokic, right? Top three, two of the top three MVP candidates. Why are you playing them? on a off coming off a back to back. Like these aren't, these are just questions that I ha- I would have for the NBA is why, why are we doing this? Um, but I think tonight's just an outlier, right? The bucks are shooting less than 20% from, from three. They're just legs are probably shot, right? I mean, four game road trip, a weird road trip. And then you're on, on a back to back against a big uh, time opponent. But I think the bucks can beat Boston. I think they probably should have beat them last year and they didn't have Chris Middleton, which is a, very, very vital piece to this offense. So I think I think once the playoffs get rolling, you prefer the one seed if you're the Bucs for so many reasons. I'd rather have a game seven at home. Giannis has never played in a game seven at home, by the way, which he said that after I forgot which game, which was news to me. I didn't know that. Um, but I think if you get these guys, you know, I don't want to say in like an even series, like an even keel game, like Boston was in Milwaukee last night before Milwaukee was. You know what I mean? So they didn't get in until close to after midnight last night. Um, it's tough. You know, that's NBA. You know, they get paid a lot of money, so everybody's like, who cares? But it matters, right? It matters. And I think this is going to be one of those games where you look back, people are going to talk about it for the next 24 hours. You're going to see discourse on the dark web, on Twitter and Facebook, and the Bucks can't do this against Boston. The Bucks can't do that against Boston. The Bucks can, can beat Boston. I, I don't think there's a team – if the Bucks are clicking in the way that they should click, not like Drew Holiday scoring 51 and Giannis scoring 38 last night, uh, but if they click in how they're supposed to click, right, and they're and you kind of heard it at the pregame. I don't know if anybody was watching the TNT pregame. Like a good chunk of their bench players, the role players from Milwaukee, Jay Crowder, Joe Ingles, Pat Connaughton, like those are starters on most NBA teams, right? Big Bobby, like, Portis. <laughs> Bobby Portis, yeah, who should be in the sixth man you know, of Bobby. the year. Yeah, underdog. <laughs> like they're good. Like they're deep and they're good. Uh, it's one of those games tonight where you're watching. I have the score pulled up. Boston's they're not missing, right? Like it's just, it's one of those games where the other team's not missing and you're missing everything. And that's usually going to result in a lopsided score. And it sucks because had Milwaukee won tonight, like you alluded to, it's all but over pretty much as far as the one seed goes, Milwaukee could clinch it with one win or a Boston loss, essentially and just coast and maybe rest guys heading into the playoffs. But now you got, you got something to play for, you know, the big thing for me and it isn't really being talked a lot about. Uh, I did mention it in one of my extra points last week. I'm still worried about Giannis's wrist. It still bothers me or his hand. Um, that would be the only thing that would concern me against a series in Boston. If Milwaukee ends up facing Boston in a seven game series where Milwaukee is not the one seed, it's going to go probably seven games. I think the Bucks uh, can beat in a home home court advantage for Milwaukee. Can beat Boston uh, in six. Yeah, and I know I sounded like Debbie Debbie Downer there setting up my question to you, but I'm in your camp there, and I I worded the question that way because 
you know, my viewers, my listeners are probably, they know my position basically is, you know, what you just said. So they knew exactly what I'm going to say, especially one of my friends in particular, who I guarantee I'm going to get a message at some point that's <laughs> like, you know, are you, you going to admit Boston's better or are you just going to make more excuses for the team? It's probably what I'm right. going to do at some point tonight after this game goes final. So I just want to get your thoughts on it because, like I said, they're used to my thought, which is pretty much on par with what you're saying. If the Bucks play on all cylinders, I don't think there's a team in the Eastern Conference is going to get in their way. And it's funny you mentioned Giannis has never played in a Game 7. Honestly, at home, I don't think Giannis has played in a lot of Game 7s in general with the Bucks last year against Boston, but the, the first times they made the playoffs, but Milwaukee lost in four or five. They lost to Toronto in six. Yep. I don't think they've even. I don't, and then he didn't. I so think Brooklyn, he, Brooklyn in twenty twenty one was Brooklyn seven. Won seven and Boston last year won seven. That's yeah. That's about it. So he hasn't even yeah. had a lot of game sevens anyway. So yeah. But it would be cool to have some game sevens in Milwaukee. But you know you can't go seven. You can't you know because Bucks in six is what the what the saying is not bucks and seven. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Like you don't want to, you also don't want to have the mindset of like, well, we need, we need home court advantage so we can get seven games again. We can get game seven against Boston. Like if you're thinking it's going to go seven already, like you're already kind of losing a little bit of, of, you know, that mental edge, you know, that you should yeah. have over your opponent. Yeah. But the reason why I want the bucks to have the one seed is not so much for having game sevens at home. If it gets to that is so if the Bucks end up with the two seed because they can't get the three seed anymore, so let's say they do end up with the two seed, you play likely the better of the play-in tournament teams, and then you play likely Philly in that second round. So to get to the NBA Finals, you have to go through both Philly and Boston to get to the finals. When the Bucks went to the championship, Philly got knocked out by Atlanta. So you had to get through Brooklyn, and then you had to get through Atlanta. I would rather be that one seed – let Philly and Boston take each other out. Let the X series go to seven. Let it, you know, be a drain on both teams and the Bucks just wait for whoever wins. That's why I want them to get the one seed. It's not so much about having the home court advantage, even though that's nice. I would rather have the easier path to an NBA finals. That's just sure. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's like we've seen it with football with, with the Packers, right? You want that one seed, you want that that game at home and it matters. The easier path is obviously much more appealing. Um, but it's, you know, the one seed for the Milwaukee Bucks isn't a given either. I know the, their magic number is still four with five games left. However, I don't know what Boston's schedule looks like. Milwaukee's schedule is not easy, though. Uh, Chicago is in there. Memphis is in there. Philly's in there, I believe, Sunday. So they get some rest in between now and Sunday for, I believe, Philly's on Sunday. Um, so let's three out of your your remaining five. And I know Washington's in there. Uh, but this is also, you know, keep in mind for Bucks fans too, and anybody that's listening, this is the same team that um, Boston I'm talking about that just lost by 20 points to Washington. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, you know, it, it's an outlier tonight. You know, I wouldn't get if you're a, a Bucks fan, I wouldn't be that upset. It's upsetting because it was a, a golden opportunity to put the stamp on your season and, and to secure basically all but that one seed with the victory and they just came out just flat. But again, I don't think that's necessarily on them. And I know nobody cares. They're, they're grown ups and they're grown men and they're playing a game for millions of dollars. But when you're traveling as much as they did, and it was just a weird travel. It was just a weird road trip for the Milwaukee bucks. You go to the West coast to the East coast, then back home on a back to back. 
it's tough. It's taxing on the body. And I think that's what you're seeing tonight. They're just not hitting shots. Yeah. Well, Boston has an easier schedule, but they kind of have a weird looking back on a weird thing too. So March 28th, they're in Washington tonight. They're in Milwaukee tomorrow. They'll back in Boston to play the jazz. The fourth they're in Philadelphia to play the 76ers. And then they have their last three at home against uh, Toronto, Toronto, and then Atlanta. Yeah, so and I mean those the, schedule too. Yeah, that's to me that's an easier schedule than the Bucks have because yeah. uh, I don't I you know Chicago the Bucks have you know recently have dominated but Chicago still can be tough they still have good scoring in Chicago with Demar Derozan and and, and Zach Levine um, Memphis is obviously kind of having a weird year themselves but they're still super talented um, Philadelphia is going to be a problem uh, they were last time when the Bucks gave up a fourteen point lead in the fourth quarter. And lost that game, but it, it's kind of just a. It, it goes to show you, Evan, that when you lose in December, you know, in January, you know, you're giving up these games. The Bucks had some of the worst leads given up this season. I'm the Chicago one sticks out into my head where they were up 11 with three minutes left and they lost. They were up uh, 14 against Toronto with like two minutes left and it went to overtime. They eventually won that game, but. You know, you win a couple of these games in, in December, January, and February, and none of this really matters, and you already have the one seed, and you're not necessarily playing for uh, your life, essentially, for that one, you know, getting to that one seed to have an easier path. But I just think that I'm not necessarily worried. I, I think once this team rebounds, no pun intended, off this game, they're going to they're going to be fine on Sunday. I think they, they're going to beat Philly on – I believe that game's on Sunday. Uh, they're going to beat Philly, and I think that's going to be the – the next big step just tonight would it just sucks because tonight would have been the night right like you're at home you can basically clinch the one seed right like there's you, you the magic number would have went to one you own the tiebreaker it's just upsetting but i i fault the nba i just don't understand why we do this uh to the game's biggest stars and and, and, and they know evan like they know like oh we're gonna schedule milwaukee and boston on a back-to-back uh it's not like they're not going to be the top two teams in the conference or the league. Right. Like these guys, like, come on. Like, I just, I don't understand why there shouldn't be a back-to-back in the NBA. Like we, there's enough time in a season to make it work. You know, I, I, I just, I hate, especially when you're coming off the road. Like if you're doing a back-to-back in Milwaukee played Indiana at home last night, that's a totally different story, Yeah, but you're squeezing travel in there. And I know Indiana is not across the world, but it's enough on your body and your mind to be taxing to where you have to come back in, less than 24 hours and do it all over again. Uh, and, and at the end of the season too, right. They were, they're playing game 70, what five right now, 76. So it's at the end of the year. So it's, it's a lot. Yeah. And then Milwaukee does have Memphis left on the schedule too, along with Toronto, Chicago, Washington, yep. and Philly. So it's not an easy schedule. It's not an easy, it's not the worst, but it's not easy. Yeah. Memphis is trying to get, you know, their positioning back that they lost with the, Yep. Whole issue with John Moran. But, you know, we're in the show quite a bit. And on this, I think Rodgers gets moved at right around the NFL draft. We have to put up with Get Up and ESPN <laughs> and First Take uh, talking about the Packers should just give the Jets what, you know, trade them to the Jets already and take whatever the Jets want to give them at this point. That seems to be the narrative nationally, anyways. Just accept what the Jets are offering and get done with it. I think it'd be close to the NFL draft that it happens. What about you? Not soon NFL draft or after NFL draft. When do you think this deal gets done? Yeah, I think it's going to be in the next week. 
I think we have an answer. Owners meetings usually tend to get things moving a little bit quicker. And those finished up today, or I believe yesterday. So I think you're going to see the gear start to move here on this trade. I, Albert Breer was on the Rich Eisen show uh, earlier today, and he thinks, he said it, I'm quoting him, I'm, I'm paraphrasing him. He wouldn't be surprised if it happened this week. So I think you're looking at, I think that the, the, the concept of the trade, like the, 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 the structure of the trade has been figured out. I think what the jets are trying to do is they're trying to cover their tail and be like, okay, if he doesn't play in 2024, cause it is Aaron Rodgers and he may not play in 2024. There's a good chance he won't play in 2024 because I don't know. He's been going over this. I don't know if I want to play or not for the last three years. So I think that's what the holdup is, in my personal opinion. The Jets probably want some insurance on that. Green Bay might not be necessarily willing, um, but I think the most of the trade is probably figured out. I think it's probably been figured out. I think you're waiting. I mean, I don't think Alan Lazard goes to New York if he doesn't get reassurance from Aaron Rodgers. Why would Alan Lazard? Everybody's like, well, he might go to New York anyway. For what? To For I what? Wilson? Yeah, like <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr. is not a finalist in New York because he's going to get excited for – Zach Wilson to throw him the ball. Like he's going to New York. It's not necessarily a matter of if it's more a matter of when I would not be surprised if next week at this time, we're discussing the package that was in return for Aaron Rodgers. And at this point, Evan, I'm going to be quite honest with you. When this first came out, I was like, I want a first round draft pick. I don't care anymore at this point. I'm just, I'm, I'm done. If they don't get a first round draft pick, fine. If they get a second, great. If they get two seconds, even better, whatever they get, uh, there's talk about maybe being 2024 being a second that can turn into a one, depending on if Rogers plays, whatever. I'm just ready. And I love Aaron Rodgers. He's in my basement uh, on the wall all over, but I it's, it's been mentally exhausting. And you know, this as a Packer fan, every single off season, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? You got to turn into the Pat McAfee show to get answers from your quarterback. And, Brian Gunikins probably has to too, because he's not talking to him either. So whatever needs to be done, make it happen. I think you're going to see it happen within the next week. I think the owners meetings uh, are always beneficial for stuff like this, where guys can get in a room, right. And Joe Douglas and Brian Gunikins, they know each other very well. They used to be on the scouting trail together. They're they're They're, they know Woody Johnson, Mark Murphy. They, they have a working relationship, Mark Murphy and Woody Johnson being a part of the Brett Favre trade. Back in uh, 2008, obviously, Matt LaFleur and Robert Sala, best friends, literally best friends. One of them was, I believe, Sala was, or, or LaFleur was his best man at his wedding. So there's a lot of good relationships going on with uh, the two teams. I, I I think you're going to see it happen happen pretty quickly. Yeah, and I, I the reason why I point to draft, because draft typically is, if you want draft picks this year, that's typically when you have to get it done. I, so that's why I kind of that's why I'm thinking that. So do appreciate you coming on talking with me uh, here tonight. Uh, if you, you keep talking about this extra points, and I could easily, you know, direct people, but throw it over <laughs> to you if you could uh, direct people. Uh, you know, you talk about extra points. Talk uh, about that is and where they can find it. Sure. Yeah, uh, you can listen to me if you're if you're local uh, or you have the 620 WTMJ app uh, every morning from five to eight. Uh, extra points is on our on the WTMJ website. If you go to shows, uh, scroll down to the bottom, you'll see extra points. And all it is is a opinion based. It's roughly they tell me, Evan, it's got to be like a minute to a minute and a half. It's always like two minutes. So uh, <laughs> I can never shut up. So um, it's just a, a quick hit 
of really it's it's a freedom of whatever I want to do. Every day I can talk about something else. Um, so usually it's centered around Aaron Rodgers, my thoughts on the Green Bay Packers, my thoughts on Jordan Love, my thoughts on the Milwaukee Brewers. Tomorrow my thoughts will be on the Milwaukee Brewers and everybody will come after me. I called Greg for Greg Gard to be fired two weeks ago. Uh, so it, I really – I talk about it a little bit of everything. It's it Usually I try to focus my – thoughts on like current stuff right so now i'm not talking about well the packers in 2020 should have won against tampa bay no it's always about kind of what's happening in the you know milwaukee wisconsin sports world in the current time so tomorrow will probably be be about i'll probably turn my attention to the milwaukee brewers maybe um but yeah at wtmj.com and just scroll up to uh, extra points cool thank you so much appreciate you joining me and thank I, uh, you hope you have a great rest of your night and i'll sure i'll talk to you at some point Absolutely, we don't sir. As much anymore since now you're the morning show, but we got the opposite schedule, yeah. sir. <laughs> but have a good night, sir. Thanks, Evan. Appreciate you. Yep. So, promise not to keep you guys much longer, uh, much longer show than I normally do. But hey, Brandon has a ton of knowledge. Brought up some great points. Wanted to get him on, get his thoughts on what was going on in his his thoughts with the Brewers and how the season's going to go and. You know, I definitely agree with what he said about the Bucks. Um, outlier game. I think that's what tonight is. It's an outlier game. Boston isn't better than the Bucks. Um, they're playing better than the Bucks tonight. I think that's safe to say. Um, but 82 game season, lots of travel recently for Milwaukee. I guess the nice thing with this game, the way it's going, you're going to have uh, pretty much the entire fourth quarter of sitting. Giannis, Middleton, Holiday, sitting those guys. Again, the entire fourth quarter where those guys are sitting. So now you're going to go to uh, play in Philadelphia on Sunday and hopefully be fresh and get that victory. So this doesn't really mean much today. But don't panic, Brewer fans. Don't panic, Buck fans. It's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. And with that, I appreciate you all watching the show. I was going to talk some... Aaron Rodgers more in depth about comments Goody made at the owners meetings this week and whatnot, but I'm going to pass on that. Going to probably do that next week. See if there's an update for the Bucks. I mean, see if there, I'm sorry, see if there's an update on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Brandon says probably within the next week or week or so, a couple weeks, the trade should be done. I think it'd be close to the draft. We'll see what happens. Uh, once again, Brandon, thanks for coming on. Find them at WTMJ.com. Uh, listen live if you're you listening to that anywhere in the country. Download the WTMJ mobile app. Or you can listen to 620WTMJ.com for the morning show with Vince Fratrano and Debbie Lazica and Eric Bilstead, Greg Hill. Great group of guys. Great show. Um, check that out. And then his extra points he's talking about, go to WTMJ.com and you can find it there along with a lot of other shows and content as well. So before before I do let you guys go, just want to let you guys know it baseball season started as we know. Brewers lost four nothing today. Baseball tickets are available for every game this year. Bucks playoff tickets are coming up, concerts are starting to come up. Well, you can go ticketmaster.com or StubHub or SeatGeek and pay ridiculous amounts of money in fees. You can. You buy $50 tickets, end up spending 80 bucks because of taxes and fees. Well, I got a solution for you on that. 
and it's tick pick. You are fee free ticket. So if it's a $50 ticket you're buying, you're paying $52 after tax. And easy way to find it, go to at Evan Witt Sports. Go click on the link in my bio on Twitter at Evan Witt Sports. Click on the link on my bio, the link tree bio. Click there. And you're going to click on Tick Pick Free Fee Free Tickets. Click there, find your event, find your seats, buy them. And there you go. It's that simple. Facebook.com, Evan Witt Allison. I have that same link in my bio there. Go to, you know, get your tickets through that way, and you don't have to worry about those annoying ticket fees again. Again, at Evan with Sports, Evan with Allison on Facebook, click on the link tree, click link, and click on Tick Picks, and you can get your fee-free tickets to any event anywhere in the country, and you don't have to worry about spending $20, $30, $40 worth of fees. So with that said, have a good rest of your night. Have a great weekend, and I will talk to you all later, hopefully talking about a Bucks win from Sunday as tonight's not going to happen as the Bucks are now down 108-264 in the third quarter. So that game is over. So thank you all. Talk to you later. Have a good one.